Chapter 1 The Council at Caer Dalban Autumn had come too swiftly. In the northernmost realms of Pridane, many trees were already leafless, and among the branches clung the ragged shapes of empty nests. To the south, across the river Great Avron, the hills shielded Caer Dalban from the winds, but even here the little farm was drawing in on itself. For Taran, the summer was ending before it had begun. That morning, Dalban had given him the task of washing the oracular pig. Had the old enchanter ordered him to capture a full-grown Gwithaint, Taran would gladly have set out after one of the vicious winged creatures. As it was, he filled the bucket at the well and trudged reluctantly to Henwen's enclosure. The white pig, usually eager for a bath, now squealed nervously and rolled on her back in the mud. Busy struggling to raise Henwen to her feet, Taran did not notice the horseman until he had reined up at the pen. You there, pig boy! The rider looking down at him was a youth only a few years older than Taran. His hair was tawny, his eyes black and deep-set, and a pale, arrogant face. Though of excellent quality, his garments had seen much wear, and his cloak was purposely draped to hide his threadbare attire. The cloak itself, Taran saw, had been neatly and painstakingly mended. He sat astride a roan mare, a lean and nervous steed, speckled red and yellow, with a long, narrow head, whose expression was as ill-tempered as her master's. You, pig boy, he repeated. Is this care Dalban? The horseman's tone and bearing nettled Taran, but he curbed his temper and bowed courteously. It is, he replied, but I am not a pig boy, he added. I am Taran, assistant pig keeper. A pig is a pig, said the stranger, and a pig boy is a pig boy. Run and tell your master I am here, he ordered. Tell him that Prince Elidir, son of Pen Larkow, Henwen seized this opportunity to roll into another puddle. Stop that hen, Taran cried, hurrying after her. Leave off with that sow, Elidia commanded. Did you not hear me? Do as I say, and be quick about it. Tell Dalban yourself, Taran called over his shoulder, trying to keep Henwen from the mud, or wait until I've done with my own work. Mind your impudence, Elidia answered, or you shall have a good beating for it. Taran flushed. Leaving Henwen to do as she pleased, he strode quickly to the railing and climbed over. If I do, he answered hotly, throwing back his head and looking Elodia full in the face, it will not be at your hands. Elodia gave a scornful laugh. Before Taran could spring aside, the roan plunged forward. Elodia, leaning from the saddle, seized Taran by the front of the jacket. Taran flailed his arms and legs vainly. Strong as he was, he could not break free. He was pummeled and shaken until his teeth rattled. Elodia then urged the roan into a gallop, hauled Taran across the turf to the cottage, and there, while chickens scattered in every direction, tossed him roughly to the ground. The commotion brought Dalban and Karl outdoors. The princess Ilanwi hurried from the scullery, her apron flying and a cookpot still in her hand. With a cry of alarm, she ran to Taran's side. Elodia, without troubling to dismount, called to the white-bearded enchanter. Are you Dalban? I have brought your pig-boy to be thrashed for his insolence.
Tut, said Darwin, unperturbed by Elodie's furious expression. Whether he is insolent is one thing, and whether he should be thrashed is another. In either case, I need no suggestions from you. I am a prince of Penlakau, cried Elodie. Yes, 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 Darwin interrupted with a wave of his brittle hand. I am quite aware of all that, and too busy to be concerned with it. Go, water your horse and your temper at the same time. You shall be called when you are wanted. Elodie was about to reply, but the enchanter's stern glance made him hold his tongue. He turned the roan and urged her toward the stable. Princess Alanwi and the stout, bald-headed Karl, meantime, had been helping Taran pick himself up. You should know better, my boy, than to quarrel with strangers, said Karl good-naturedly. That's true enough, Alanwi added, especially if they're on horseback and you're on foot. Next time I meet him, Taran began. When you meet again, said Darben, you, at least, shall conduct yourself with as much restraint and dignity as possible, which, I allow, may not be very great, but you shall have to make do with it. Be off now. The Princess Ailan, we can help you to be a little more presentable than you are at the moment. In the lowest of spirits, Taran followed the golden-haired girl to the scullery. He still smarted, more from Elodie's words than from the drubbing, and he was hardly pleased that Alanwi had seen him sprawled at the feet of the arrogant prince. However did it happen? Alanwi asked, picking up a damp cloth and applying it to Taran's face. Taran did not answer, but glumly submitted to her care. Before Alanwi had finished, a hairy figure, covered with leaves and twigs, popped up at the window and with great agility clambered over the sill. Woe and sadness, the creature wailed, loping anxiously to Taran. Gurgy sea smackings and whackings by strengthful lord. Poor kindly master. Gurgy is sorry for him. But there is news, Gurgy hurried on. Good news. Gurgi also sees mightiest of princes riding, yes, yes, with great gallopings on white horse with black sword. What joy! What's that? cried Taran. Do you mean Prince Quidian? It can't be. It is, said a voice behind him. Gwydion stood in the doorway. With a shout of amazement, Taran ran forward and clasped his hand. Alanwi threw her arms about the tall warrior, while Gurgi joyfully pounded the floor. The last time Taran had seen him, Gwydion wore the raiment of a prince of the royal house of Don. Now he was dressed simply in a hooded cloak of grey and a coarse unadorned jacket. The black sword Dernwin hung at his side. "'Well met, all of you,' said Gwydion. "'Gurgi looks as hungry as ever. Alanwi prettier than ever.' And you, assistant pig-keeper, he added, his lined and weathered face breaking into a smile, a little the worse for wear. Dalban has mentioned how you came by those bruises. I sought no quarrel, Taran declared. But one found you nonetheless, Gwydion said. I think that must be the way of it with you, Taran of Caer Dalban. No matter. 
he said, stepping back and studying Taran closely through green-flecked eyes. Let me look at you. You have grown since we last met. Gwydion nodded his shaggy, wolf-gray head in approval. I hope you have gained as much wisdom as height. We shall see. Now I must make ready for the council. Council? Taran cried. Dalban said nothing of a council. He did not even say you were coming here. The truth is, Ailan, we put in, Dalban hasn't been saying much of anything to anybody. You should understand by now, said Gwydion, that of what he knows, Dalban tells little. Yes, there is to be a council, and I have summoned others to meet us here. I am old enough to sit in a council of men, Taran interrupted excitedly. I have learned much. I have fought at your side. I have... Gently, gently, Gwydion said. We have agreed you shall have a place. Though manhood, he added softly, with a trace of sadness, may not be all that you believe. Gwydion put his hands on Taran's shoulders. Meanwhile, stand ready. Your task will be given soon enough. As Gwydion had foretold, the rest of the morning brought many new arrivals. A company of horsemen soon appeared and began to make camp in the stubble field beyond the orchard. The warriors, Taran saw, were armed for battle. His heart leapt. Surely this, too, had to do with Gwydion's counsel. His head spun with questions, and he hurried toward the field. He had not gone halfway when he stopped short in great surprise. Two familiar figures were riding up the pathway.